Before I read the text, I had a phone call early this morning from one of our ex-members, Brother Jackie Sanders. I don't know if you remember him or not. He and his wife, Sandra. And he called me this morning and said, Sandra was in Baylor Hospital and they don't have any intention of letting her go home until she gets um, an organ donated. Now, I don't know if it's a heart, lung, or whatever it is, but Sandra's been sick for quite some time. And uh, he asked us to pray for his wife and for his family. And I think, uh, I think we'll do that. You know, Jesus said his house should be the house of prayer. And God knows if, if we don't care, surely nobody in the world would care. And so we're going to pray and ask God to bless Sandra and, and uh, whatever uh, she needs, whatever, that's a kidney or whatever organ she needs, that, that God would find it for her. Amen. And uh, that... Uh, they could get on. Brother Jackie is the one who donated all the tile in the front and all around. I don't know how much it was. He never would tell us. He just gave it to us and paid to have it put in. And uh, But he loves this church. And uh, he cares enough about this church that he wants us to pray for his dear wife. And we're going to do that. If you would please, if we just bow our heads for just a moment. And there where you are, her name is Sandra. Sanders, and uh, the Bible said, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Imagine a church full of righteous folk, how much that would merit. Our Father, today we thank you for the privilege, the power, the possibility of prayer. And Lord, you said, Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. And so, Lord, we pray today for Sandra and for ease of pain, for peace of mind, and, Lord, for provision for this organ that she needs. I ask you to be with the family, comfort them, and console them, and give them grace. And, Lord, when you have taken care of these things, we will be careful to give you the honor and the glory and the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. God bless your heart. Good to have uh, Brother Jack Collins here with us today. He is involved in a prison ministry, and I hope he never comes to see me. Uh, Brother Jack and I go back a long ways. It must have been almost 40 years ago I helped him in his bus ministry and children's church ministry years and years and years ago. And he's here today, and, and uh, uh, we, just, uh, we just need to be in prayer for that jail ministry. Ministry to the forgotten men and women in Texas prisons and jails. What a ministry. Man, you'd have to have a special heart to do that. You know what I mean? I would start that ministry, but I'm afraid somebody would recognize me and they wouldn't let me go home. And I'll just stay here at the church, all right? Is that all right? In your Bible, this morning, the book of Genesis, chapter number 3. Genesis, chapter number 3. And you'd think that after I'd been here for 28 years, it's amazing that we start at the front again. But there's one good thing about it. I've read the back of the book, and I know how the story ends. Amen. The book of Genesis, 28 years, and we start at the front again. won't be long. Jan- June the 1st, we will have been here 28 years. 28 years ago, my wife prayed me out of a pray- place to preach. I was in evangelism. And she's getting tired of feeding my dogs, and she prayed that I'd stay home. So she prayed me out of a place to preach. And so on, I forgot now which night, she says it's Sunday night. I say it's Wednesday night. Just one night, I started preaching on my front porch 28 years ago. 
and how God has blessed in these 28 years. And we're so glad that he has. And 28 years ago, it all began. And people ask me, how did it happen? I should say Gesundheit, but I don't know how to spell it, so no use me saying it. I have no idea why God has blessed us so much and has been so good to our church. It is not because of dynamic leadership. It is not because of the ability to preach. I'm fixing to explain that to you when I start in a minute. I think it is just the right guy in the right place at the right time with the right message. And to God be the glory, great things he has done. I am just so honored to have been along for the ride. And God is so good. I want to read for you just introduction this morning and kind of get you to where we are. And I want to begin reading in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. If you'd follow along with us, it would help you a little bit. There should be a Bible there in the, in the pew. And if you do not have one, take that one with you. And if that one looks a little ragged, Take that one to the bookstore and we'll give you a new one after the service for a minimum fee. I'm just kidding. Verse 7 of chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. Now watch this. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Never, never, never to cease to exist. You and I are blessed beyond all measure. Once we're born, we will never, never cease to exist. Man is a living soul, not a living body. Without the soul, your body would be dead. Without the soul, you would not be you. And when my wife puts me in a casket and makes me look pretty, Don't you believe that I'm dead or I will come back and haunt you because once you are born, you will either spend eternity in the lake of fire or eternity with our Lord. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 15, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord... God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him an helpmate for him. Verse 21. 
And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Little boy came home from church. Ten year old lad he was. His mother noticed that he was real troubled. She said, Son, what did you learn today in church? He said, I learned about Adam and Eve. In a little while he began to feel his side. And he looked anxious, and his mother said, Son, what's wrong? He said, Mom, I think I'm having a wife. <laughs> Verse 1 of chapter 3, And the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also under a husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. The Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Men been hiding from God ever since. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest, to be with me, that dirty rat, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said, you big wimp, I mean, no, he didn't say it. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is it thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, 
and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now notice, the very first promise of Jesus in the Bible, the very first prophecy of Jesus followed on the hills of man's gross disobedience. God's love stands out as a neon sign amongst the ugliness and the sinfulness and the depravity of the human race. When they had broken every law in existence, when they had absolutely disregarded every command of God, steeped now in their fallen condition, God says, there's still an answer. Notice what he said. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He's talking to the devil. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Notice her seed, his seed. In the Hebrew language and in the Hebrew society, the seed is always given and equated to man, not the woman. The seed of Abraham, not Sarah. The seed of Isaac, seed of jo jo Jacob. Never in the Hebrew terminology and in Hebrew society is the child seed equated to the woman. But there's something unusual about this seed. He looks at the devil and said there will be war, absolute enmity, absolute out-and-out war between your seed and her seed. Your seed will bruise his head, but her seed will bruise your head, your heel. Satan, I've got a fella in mind and in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, and verse 4, you turn there sometime if you like. And the Bible said, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, the seed of a woman, to redeem those that are under the law. And in the book of Genesis, chapter number 3, God promises you and I a deliverer, a redeemer, someone who will pay our price for our sin. And I'm glad of that, aren't you? No more did man disobey God, and God had a solution. I don't know if you realize it or not, but man is not getting better. If education would make the human race better, we would have no 6 o'clock news. It would all be good news. The Southern Baptists years ago came up with a doctrine and began to preach on millennialism and began to say that the preaching of the gospel is going to make men and women so much better that the Millennium will just usher right on in because of the goodness of man. I think that was before several world wars and September 11. I don't think we're getting better, folks. I think we're getting worse. I think the farther from the garden we get, the worse we get. 
And man is suffering from a devastating fall. Our basic nature is bad, not good. You say, well, I'm a pretty good guy. Pretty, all right, good, no. The Bible said there's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God, none of us. The Bible says we're rotten from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. There's no soundness in us. And I just believe unless you and I have a basic understanding of Genesis chapter number 3, we'll never understand human Human, human, uh, uh, human nature. I, I just don't think we will. You say, do you trust anybody? No. Do you trust yourself? No. You say, preacher, I don't trust you. You're welcome. Well, he's a pretty good old boy. Old, yes. Good, no. Notice, if you would, please, I'd like to just thank you, uh, talk to you just a minute about the book of Genesis being the book of beginnings. Now, for you folks who are not Bible students, and I am not a theologian, but let me give you the first rule of biblical interpretation. The first rule of biblical interpretation. If you're going to interpret anything in the Bible... Go to the first place it's mentioned in the Bible. And it will carry that interpretation throughout the entire context of the Bible. For instance, if you want to find anything out about languages or tongues, you go to Genesis chapter 11, where that they, God confused the languages. And if you'll, if you'll keep that same interpretation... Throughout the Bible, when you get to 1 Corinthians 14, you'll have no trouble with tongues. If you want to find out about marriage, you go to the book of Genesis, chapter number 2, and you'll see male and female created he them. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You can get upset with me if you want to for getting grossed out when a football player kisses another man on the lips. I'm grossed. And you say, well, I don't like that. I don't remember calling you and asking you if I could say that. You want to find out about homosexuality and what God thinks about it, go to the book of Genesis and you'll find out what he thinks about it over in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, if you want to interpret the Bible, you must use the rule of first mention. And in the book of Genesis, we find a lot of first. In other words, the first man, the first marriage, the first family, the first time. First time of what? First time for anything. The first organic growth, the first nation, the first government, the first idols, the first kingdom. And if you begin in the book of Genesis chapter number 2, you'll see the beginning of all our troubles. The beginning of woman. My wife is not here today. That's the reason I said that. There was no doubt about that. And you go to chapter 4, you'll find the beginning of worship and the first death. In Genesis chapter number 3, it is a fundamental chapter in all the Bible. 
If you do not have an understanding of Genesis chapter number 3, then all the rest of the Bible has no application to you at all. Because in the society in which we live, we're trying to build up man and tear down God. We've kicked the Bible out of school and replaced it with curriculum that is an error at its best. And we kicked God out of school, and now man is running things, and God is no longer in charge. Here, we're introduced to some things and issues and uh, persons that is of, of most interest to you and I as an individual. Moses, the human author, as well as the ghost writer, the Holy Ghost of God, introduces us to some issues and some things, some first, if you please, some first never happened before. And I'd like to talk to you about five, no, would you believe it's two minutes till 12? But in California, it's only two minutes till 10. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 3, we have the first mention, now listen, of Satan. Sin did not begin in the garden. Sin began in heaven. When Satan rebelled against God, a created being begins to rebel against his creator and says to him in pride that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And in Isaiah 14, God kicked him out of heaven. And in Ezekiel 28, he expelled him from heaven. And now he's roaming the earth. The first mention of the devil. If you want to find out who the devil is, what the devil does, and what his aim is for your life, you must go to Genesis chapter number 3 and find where he's first mentioned. In Genesis chapter number 3, you have the first mention of sin. I've asked hundreds and hundreds of people, are you a sinner? No, I'm not a sinner but they're a liar, does that make them a sinner? The first mention of sin. Isn't it amazing that God starts so early, just three chapters in the book, and he introduces us to the deceiver, the, the, the deceptive one, the dragon, the roaring lion, the, the angel of light. He introduces to him very early in the book, and then the rest of the book, he warns us about that sorry sucker. And in the last of the book, he opens up the bottom of the pit and throws that sucker in. <laughs> Thank God I read the back of the book. Very early in the book, he warns us about sin. Deception of sin. Sin looks so pretty when you're young. When you get old, you can't enjoy it, so you don't have much fun in it. Now, some of you folks, you've got your halo on crooked. You need to shine it a little bit today. In, in the book of Genesis, we find also the first mention, not only of Satan and of sin, but also we find the first mention of the Savior. I'm glad of that. And then we find the first mention of sentence. I was watching television the night, and the, bio, and the television said, so-and-so has been convicted of murder. Now they are having the sentence phase of the trial. In the book of Genesis, chapter 3, very early, God says, you want to dance? Pay the fiddler. Be sure your sins will find you out. And we have the first mention 
of judgment. You eat, you die. Well, now, this is the 21st or 7th or 8th century. Surely that's different. No. You sin, you pay. It is appointed once for every man to die. Hebrews 9 and 27, and after this, the judgment. Lastly, and I'm glad, it's the first mention of sacrifice. I don't have time, but you just heard the message. The first mention of Satan. Verse 1, more subtle than any creature that God created. Subtle. It means cunning. Shrewd. He's got a trap line out. And it runs it on a regular basis. And he'll trap our young people with making out. I don't even know what making out is. I read that the other day, that young people make out. Well, I'm making out pretty good. So kids, welcome to the club. My wife said, that's not the kind of making out I think they're talking about. He's shrewd. Yes, he is. He paints it pretty, does he not? It's a lot of fun. You don't need church. You make it out pretty good on your own. Oh, he's shrewd. He's more cunning. He's more shrewd. And by the way, he didn't come slivering in the garden on his belly. He came upright. Probably the most beautiful creature God ever created. Even today in his fallen state, slivering on his belly, eating the dust of the earth, he's still the most beautiful, cunning And colors out of this world. The devil is a shrewd angel of light. This won't hurt. Go ahead and do it. Everybody else is. You look like a square to me. got that silly looking tile in you, doesn't it? Here. Why ain't you? Stand up a minute. Let me see if your britches is low enough. Nah, pull them on down, son. You got to be hit. Don't be a square looking dude like a preacher. Be cool like Jim. <laughs> he shrugged. He shrewd, he walked into the garden and noticed who he came to. He didn't come to Adam. What I can't understand is why Adam is letting Eve talk to the devil. Social media, even in the garden. My space, your face, everybody's space. And he came to the woman and he deceitfully said, Yea, hath God said. You don't believe God said that. Eve, you wasn't there when God told Adam that. Eve, you wasn't even around when he told Adam that. Adam must have told Eve, and he must have got the story mixed up because she said, Neither shall you touch it. Everything Eve knew about that fruit, he, she learned from her husband. Because she was not there when he told Adam, you eat, you'll die. Deceptive he is. 
He'll lie to you, kids. He'll lie to you, Mom and Daddy. He's the author of all doubt. If he can just get you to doubt, not this book, but the author of the book. If he can just get you to doubt, the author of the book. Yea, God didn't create all of this. Hard for me to believe that God took a rib and made a woman. Yeah, it's almost hard to believe that if you take a jar of dirt, put it on the shelf, leave it there long enough, it'll eventually become a man. That'd be hard for me to swallow. Give me that rib story anytime. If I'm going to be gullible, I think I'll just believe that that rib story happened and not that guy crawled out of that bottle after 10 billion years and became amoeba. I need to hurry. First mention of sin in the Bible. Can I show it to you? Can I show it to you? Look at this. I want to show you this. Look at chapter number 3. And I'll read for you. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now I'll go over to the book of Romans for just a minute. You probably know where I'm going Romans chapter number 5, hold your place right there in Genesis chapter number 3. And she gave to her husband, and he did eat. Let me read for you. Chapter 5 and verse 12. You got it? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Is that what your Bible says? Who was that man? Adam. Daddy Adam. He ate. His wife ate. And here is the father and mother of all humanity lost with a depraved nature, separated from God, and they have kids. Now, a lot of our folks know this, but you probably don't. If your grandparents had not had, not had any children, neither would you. Grab that now. That's deep. I've been saying that to our folk 28 years. Some of them still wonder what he's talking about. If your grandparents had not have had any children, neither would you. So you came out of your grandparents, out of their grandparents, out of their grandparents, until this ugly-looking thing that's blowing on that trumpet came out of Adam. Could I introduce you to your kinfolk, Brother Adam? And you're just like him. You're lazy. You're <laughs> And that's where we all came from. And very early, the Bible teaches us that the devil is real, he is deceptive, and that sin entered into the human race, not of our choice, but the choice of the representative of the human race, Adam. And in Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Amen. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful message on the hills of disobedience, on the hills of darkness, on the hills of disobeying. God said, I love you anyhow. And you have the first mention of Satan, of sin, Verse 15, and of a Savior. And he looks at the devil, 
and said, now I'm going to put enmity between her seed and your seed. And her seed will bruise your head, and your seed shall bruise his heel. And at Calvary, at Calvary, the seed of woman, he who was altogether lovely hung on a cross and gaping ugly humanity bruised our Savior according to Psalms 22 beyond recognition. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions and with his stripes we were healed. And hanging on the cross the devil and all of his imps said, we've done it! It's over! He's dead. And on the third day, something began to shake. And the seed of the woman delivered a deathly blow to the devil's seed, and the Savior rose from the dead to live forevermore. We have the first mention of Satan, of sin, of the Savior, and of sentence. He said in the book of Genesis, you eat off that tree, and the day you eat off that tree, you shall surely die. Don't you think we ought to cut Adam some slack? After all, he wasn't tempted it was his wife that was tempted. Oh, by the way, ladies, that's the reason you're not to usurp authority over a man in the church. First Timothy. She was deceived. Adam was not. Adam just bullheaded, run right into it. Said, just give me all the hell you want to give me. I'm not going to live without my wife. The first sentence. Death. Now Adam and Eve did not die physically that day. But I believe what they had was a terrible case of blood poisoning. Because the life of the flesh is in what? the blood. We better get them out of this garden lest they get to the tree and live forever. Live forever in a sinful, hurting, pain-ricken body. Living forever in this. I tell you, I just get tired of hurting. You know, dear Lord, I can understand why some folks said, the Lord, just take me home. Just, just take me home. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't live like this. God's good to put a cherubim with a flaming sword at the gate to not let us back into that tree where we could eat and live forever. Have you ever thought about this? We got a better deal than Adam had. Adam living forever depended on him getting to the tree. Me living forever depend on what somebody else did on a tree. I don't have to work to get there. All the work's been done. I don't have to sacrifice to get there. The sacrifice has been made. The first mention of sin, first mention of Satan, first mention of sentence, and the first mention of sacrifice. From this very time, all the way through the Bible, man has been sacrificing to God. Cain brought a sacrifice. Abel brought a sacrifice. And since the Garden of Eden, man has been bringing sacrifices to God. You do know that, don't you? 
sin offerings, trespass offerings. Every time they come to the place of worship, they bring a sacrifice. Throughout the Old Testament, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Solomon sacrificed thousands and thousands of animals to God. But you know what I read one time? It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. And those sacrifices just postpone those sins another year. Postpone another year. Postpone them another year. Until I read one day, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Over in Genesis chapter number 3, verse 21, it said that unto Adam and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Very early in the book, God introduces us to the principle of sacrifice. You say, preacher, did God know that Adam and Eve is going to disobey? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 13 that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus is not an afterthought. Jesus is not a blend-in situation. Jesus was the Lamb of God, slain in the mind and heart of God before he ever created one thing. God loved us when he knew who we were. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, you remember the rest of it? Christ died for us. Christ and Calvary was not an afterthought. The Bible talks about us being chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Adam and Eve just fit into God's plan. And I'm glad today me getting to heaven does not depend on my sacrifice but on somebody else's sacrifice. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Years ago, in Boston, Massachusetts, a fellow by the name of S.D. Gordon, a famous preacher of the day, one night he went to his pulpit. Just help you a little bit, I'm closing. He went to the pulpit, and he had a very unusual object with him. And he reached underneath the pulpit and he pulled out a rusty, broken down, about ready to fall apart bird cage and held it up for the folk to see. And Dr. Gordon said, I'd like to explain to you this bird cage. He said, I was walking downtown last week and I met a 10-year-old boy who had this bird cage in his hand and had several just all different kinds of little old birds in it. And he said that was, that stirred my curiosity. And I said, young man, uh, what are you going to do with those birds? He said, I'm going to play with them a little while. And uh, he said, well, what are you going to do with them after that? He said, well, I've got some cats at home, and they like birds. 
Dr. Gordon asked him, said, young man, how much would you take for that birdcage and those birds? The little boy said, well, sir, you don't want these birds. They don't even sing. They're ugly. You don't want these birds. They're just worth nothing. Dr. Gordon said, son, I'd still like to, like to buy them. What would, you, how much you, what would you take for all those birds and that cage? And the little boy finally decided on the price. Dr. Gordon reached his pocket, paid the boy, and took the cage and the birds. And about the time the little boy got out of sight, Dr. Gordon opened the gate, the door, and the birds flew away. And he took the bird cage to his pulpit and held it up and said, The devil. Has captured the human race. And he said, Jesus asked the devil, what are you going to do with all those folks? And he said, the devil said to him, I'm going to play with them a while. I'm going to let them marry and divorce, murder and slander and cuss one another. Dr. Gordon said, I mean, Jesus said, well, devil, what are you going to do with them after you get through playing with them? He said, I'm going to send them to hell and destruction. Jesus asked the devil, what will you take for all those people you captured and hurt? And Maine. And the devil said, You don't want this bunch. If you had them, they'd probably nail nails in your hands. Probably plant a crown of thorns on your brow and curse and misuse and judge and lie to you. Jesus said, No doubt. But how much will you take? for this crowd. And the devil, with a squeakish grin, said, all your tears and all your blood. And Jesus said, I'll take them. And he opened the door that whosoever will may go free. Our Father,